0: Excited to be here. We are going through the book of Colossians together. So if you want to open your Bibles, if you have them, or your phones, to the book of Colossians, and uh, we're gonna start to go through that. I really enjoy when we go through one book. Um, It's it's something that you have a little bit of, um, you can predict what's happening the next week a bit more. You can kind of walk through it together, and you can get to know things that happen in a book that you might not necessarily realize. You know, we went through Galatians a year and a half ago, I don't, a while ago, if you remember that. And it was so nice to go through Galatians because, you know, you get into it, you start, and you're like, I wonder what this is going to be like, I wonder where this is going to go, and in the end, it's this, amazing book of jesus and and his grace and how much he cares for us so again there is notes a bit too late now to grab them but on the way out um just grab notes and you can have them for your own small groups or you can even just take it to walk through in your own personal devotions just to ask yourselves questions and to kind of give you prompts through what i'm going to be talking about today um, so what's happening is Paul is in prison he's facing some hard uh hard times right now he's going through some difficulties and he is reaching out because Ephorus his friend his co-worker has um has came to him They say we're starting a church a little bit of a church plant in Colossae and we need to get things going and so he wants to encourage them along the way because they are having some difficulties they um we'll get into it a bit but they are a bit puffed up on what they know, and they uh, they think they have a divine knowledge. They're gnostics, and they kind of are reliant on themselves. They have lost their focus, and they've lost their center. Um, the, today's sermon is about things falling apart, and when things fall apart, it's because we lose focus on who we are. So we could have opened this whole thing up into a major theological. Uh, Expose. You're going to see a bit later in the verses how deep they go. And, and we should do that, and we will do that at times. But today I wanted to hear the heart of what's happening and how things fall apart. When you step out your door in the morning, you don't know how things are going to go. Um, we were living in England, my wife and I, and uh, I think I was headed to London. We lived in Starbridge, where Phil is from, the Midlands. And I think we were, I was off to London because we had our visa stuff going on. Speaking of things falling apart, visas fall apart sometimes. All those type of things fall apart, and and uh, that morning I stepped out the door thinking life was going to be good. Headed into 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 the big smoke, and uh, I went to London and did all my stuff, and uh, got back to the Marylebone station. It's called uh, my very Canadian accent, and I got there and I knew the train, I knew the platform that I needed to get onto. So I got in there, and I knew it was right at the time that I need to be on. It was the 11:19 train. Let's say it's 11:19 right now. I needed to get on that, and I got through the gates, and I ran, and I got to my—I knew my my platform to get to, and I saw the train, and I got in the train just as the doors were closing. And I was like, should I quickly look at the front of the train, and make sure it's going to where I think it's supposed to be going? No, I'm good. I got this. Hop in the train. I think I can sit down because the train ride I'm supposed to be taking is a few hours long, and there should be no one standing on this train. It was all suits and all people with briefcases and everything like that. And I'm like, what is happening here? This is not my train. And of course, I turn around, the door closes, and we're off. And I said, what? I said to the person beside me, I said, is this going to Birmingham? He said, no. I said, where's it going? He said, I don't know where He said, He says, it's going out east somewhere. It's going to the east coast. And I'm like, Really? I was like, how many stops does it have? He's like, none. It just goes there. You're stuck. And I said, are you kidding me? I said, yeah, we're going that way for a long time, and then you're going to get off of there, and then we're going to figure it out from there. So I stepped out my door thinking nothing was going to fall apart that day, but then everything started to fall apart because I ended up going right across the country to somewhere I had never been before, and I was on this train thinking, what have I done? I have a meeting to get to. I think I had youth to get to that night. So we meander across the East Coast somewhere. I get off the train, and there's one train that goes back across all the way to the main line. Is it M40 that you go up to get? I don't know, by Oxford or whatever. So we meandered. It was three cars long, as there's two of us on this train, and there's nobody else. There's one train a day. So I luckily got that train, hours back across, finally got to the train, went down, just missed another train. I'm like, ah. Oh, like, don't worry, there's a train coming 15 minutes later. So a train came 15 minutes later, but it was the milk run. So that one means that every single stop that there is along the way, it stops at. Three hours, four hours later, from that point, I get home, two in the morning. Ah, things fell apart. Because life doesn't always go as you expect it to go. And I debated sharing this, but I will. I brought you along uh, with my, my dog, Elfie, the last few times I've preached. And unfortunately, he ate something. the other, this gonna be, I'm, I'm not going to cry. He is alive. But what happened is he ate something, and we had to take him for surgery. And, um, and he ended up, I couldn't afford it. It was like $4,000. And I'm like, look, we're not going to, you know. And they said, well, we'll take your dog. So that's just an update for everybody. So you don't have to ask me how Elfie's doing anymore. However... We embarked on the journey with Elfie, and things fell apart. He ate something wrong. Things went wrong. Sadness was had. Tears were had in my family. Now he's in a better place, not in doggy heaven better place, literally somewhere else in Kelowna with somebody else, all fixed up. But it was tough, and things fall apart. Things don't go the way you want them to go, ever. If you look around, every single person in this room has had things fall apart. Life has gone sideways. This week, you start off in this week thinking things are going to be good. The same day that my dog didn't die, but, you know, moved on. I called home and mom had COVID in bed. And I'm like, that's perspective. Things fall apart. This world has started to shift on us. So I really believe that this message in Colossians, and we're going to get to the Samaritan woman, is about that. So if you want to open up to Colossians 1, verse 9. For this reason, since the day I heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. I really believe that Paul is writing this this letter to the Colossians because he understands as he's in prison that things are going to fall apart. This is a very early church. This is a brand new thing. And he's saying, look, I know how this faith journey ends. If you responded today in this way of at communion to your, this faith, life is difficult. But what happens is Jesus comes along the way with you. And so we have not stopped praying for you. We don't stop praying for each other because for every single person here, things fall apart often. And as much as you need prayer, I need prayer, you need prayer. So he says, Have not stopped praying for you, and we continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of His will. It's almost like Paul is giving us a toolbox to get on in this life. He's given the Colossians a toolbox, he's giving us a toolbox. If you are in God's presence, if you're with Him, and you know His will for your life, when things start to crumble around you, it won't be as difficult. So that you may live a life worthy of the Lord. And please him in everywhere, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God. Continually growing in the knowledge of God, being with him and being in his presence, puts us into good standing. Being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, that you may have great endurance and patience. This first section, Colossians 1, 9 to 13... In my mind, for what we're talking about today, this is the key part. We need to be strengthened. We need to be having endurance and patience. Let's pretend that you have, you know, your partner, you have a roommate, you have someone in your life that for some reason they know the future of every day. They just have this amazing ability to know what's going to happen that day for you. Not that this is just an example. This doesn't happen in real life. But they just have this ability to understand what's going to happen today. And every day they say, oh, have a good day, have a good day, see you later. Awesome. Because I know that that person knows what's happening today. Have a good day, see you later. Have a good day, see you later. Have a good day, see you later. Be strengthened today. Have endurance and patience. Oh, that's not good. Something's different. Something is going to change today. Paul is projecting in our lives that we're going to need to be strengthened and we're going to need to have endurance and patience for this life that we choose. So he's saying, look, just wait. Have endurance and patience. So we're going to head off into a oh, wait. You know a lot of people quote, I'm going to know, don't read that yet. C.S. Lewis, I really like the Lord of the Rings. <laughs> I love how that just gives us An understanding for life. And I kind of feel like as Frodo is about to go on his journey, Bilbo says these things. He says, it's a dangerous business, Frodo, going out your door. You step on the road and and if you don't keep your feet, there's no knowing where you might be swept off to. This world is a dangerous world. If we don't keep our feet grounded, if we don't keep our hearts grounded in Jesus, there's no knowing where our feet might be swept off to. There's no knowing how far, how wide we're going to go if we don't keep our feet. Frodo, he has to keep his feet. We need to keep our feet. If you want to turn to John chapter 4. If you've heard this story before, I'm going to read it again. If you haven't, it's about the Samaritan woman. It's about, it's about a woman that Jesus comes and sees. And it's like he has an appointment to meet with this lady. Verse 3. Now he, Jesus, left Judea and went back once more to Galilee. Now he had to go through Samaria. I underlined the word had to go through Samaria. Because... As Jewish people, so if you know, I I have to look up the map because I have not, like Phil, been there. Phil, I think you've been there to, yeah, he's been to that world. I have not. So you have to look up the maps, look in the back of your Bible to see the maps. You can actually get from Judea to Samaria, uh, Judea to Galilee through Samaria, there's a route. But the Jewish people would always go around. They would always take a, a long route around, go around the Jordan River. They did not want to go through there. And they knew they didn't have to go through there because... Everybody went around. Everybody took the way around to get away from Samaria. Jesus says, no, I have to go through Samaria. The the disciples might have been like, you don't have to do anything like that. No, no, I have to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot ground of Jacob, Jacob's well. And there he was tired and he sat down at the well and it was about noon. A Samaritan woman came up to draw water and said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples at this point had got in to get a snack in town, and he was on his own. And he said, Could you get me a drink? The Samaritan woman said, and started making a list of things why this shouldn't happen, You are a Jew, and I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? Jews and Samaritans don't don't really talk to each other. There's a bit of a division, a bit of a a Jim Crow thing going on where they separate the people. Now, we could get into this, John 4. There's a lot of stuff in here. There's a separation that's occurred. He says this. If you knew the gift of God, who it is, that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw. The well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than their father Jacob? And Jesus answered. He said to her, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give them shall never be thirsty again. But the water that I give him will become a fountain of water springing up to eternal life. This feels like a real centering on things are not going to fall apart if you center in on this living water. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so I won't ever have to thirst again and keep coming here to draw water. And then this is where the conversation takes a turn. He said to her, Go call your husband and come back. She says, I have no husband. He said, You're right. You have no husband. In fact, you have had five husbands, and the man you're with now isn't even your husband. So what you've said is true, but there's some kind of skirting around the truth that you're doing. And then she goes and calls him a prophet, and 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 and, and she actually becomes really the first minister of who Jesus is in Samaria. But things have fallen apart to this late. There's this painting that I found this week, and... Uh, hope we can see it here. It's um, Ollian Rondon, Christ and the Samaritan Woman, the White Flower Bouquet. Maybe I'll see it better up there. You see here, we see here uh, this, this lady that, that sometimes when we portray this story, it may be a 25-year-old lady. We don't really know. We don't really think about who this woman is. This woman in this picture is someone that has seen a lot of life, and we don't know Anything about fault. There's nothing about fault in here. This is probably society's fault of having to have a husband in order to pay for everything that happens. When she woke up, when she was a little girl and she went out to life, she did not think that she was going to have five husbands and the sixth one living with isn't even her husband. Life has gotten in the way. Things started to fall apart. And then you see Jesus here, with living water bubbling up, Inside his chest. Saying, I see that things have fallen apart. And then what's more beautiful, what's more pure than a bouquet of flowers from Jesus? I says, I don't care about, there was no judgment in this. There's nothing, there's no judgment at all in this scripture. It's almost like, look, things have fallen apart. I'm about to give you the best toolbox. The best set of equipment to ever get through that, and that is my life. That is who I am. I am greater, and now I can live inside of you. And he gives her this spring of water into a bouquet and gives it to her as living water. Things in our lives fall apart. Marriages fall apart. Relationships fall apart. Families fall apart. Finances fall apart. Our jobs fall apart. Our breakdown. We become anxiety-ridden. Things happen. William Butler Yeats says this in his poem, Second Coming. Things fall apart. The center cannot hold. Things fall apart, the center cannot hold because what happens is we place our center around ourselves and we don't place our center around Jesus. Paul's equipping the people in Colossae to say, look, things will fall apart if you don't keep Christ as the center of your life. Carry on, hold on to Christ being the center because things start to fall apart. And whatever we place in the middle Whatever we orbit around, if we don't orbit around Jesus, things will fall apart. Could you imagine if it was true back in the day we thought this was the case? But if the universe or if our galaxy revolved around the earth, everything would just be chaos. Everything would start to fall. Gravity wouldn't work. Everything would just blow up. It would be one big black hole. There's order to our universe. There's order to our galaxy where we circle around the sun. There's order in our lives, in my life. And when I circle around Jesus, the order is there. When I circle around myself, everything falls apart. Trauma happens. We talked about art project and people that come because trauma has happened. And when trauma happens, things get thrown everywhere. What we're looking for when trauma happens is support, stability, and security. So when my dog left us to another part of Kelowna, I was sad, like really sad. And I said to Liz, I said to my wife, I said, I mustn't have had much loss in my life. I only had this dog for a little while, and I'm torn up. Some of us, I have to be honest, some of us do have a bit better lot in life than others. Just on the outside. This is, some of us have a really difficult time. But what happens, and what Paul is saying to the Colossians, is they think that they have a special dispensation of knowledge. They're Gnostics. They think they actually have it more together than not. And we need to also be careful that if you have it more together, that you don't place your center on yourself as well. Trauma and difficulty come, or really, really good things happen, and you are a real success. And what happens is we look for our support, stability, and security, no matter what, in something else. If you've suffered trauma, you look support, stability, and security, what you know. And if that is a relationship, if that is finances, it is what it is. But if you have had a fantastic life, your support, stability, and security might just come from yourself. Might just come from what you can do, and how good you've had it, and how good you are. And that is an easy place to slide into. Just letting you know, it's easy to slide into that. But it's a dangerous place. And Paul wants the Colossians to know, look, let's not depend on our bank accounts. Let's not depend on our relationships. Let's not depend on someone around us. Let's not depend on anybody else, your pastor, your friends, your building, your church, your house. Let's not depend on any of that. Let's depend on Jesus. Because we do, we have false centers. Then we get into the rest of the book of John. Oh, no, sorry, not the book of John, Colossians, the rest of this chapter. As we get into the rest of this chapter, we see what Paul is pointing at. He's talking now about the supremacy of the Son of God. If we can take whatever we have, wherever we've been, whatever we've been going, and place Jesus at the center, everything will be okay. Verse 15, the Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. So let's just take two hours and unpack that, okay? (laughs) There's a lot in there. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. Jesus is the Im- image of the invisible. This is the mystery of the incarnate. You can see something that's invisible. God is invisible, but you can fully see him in Jesus. And this is what he's saying, center yourself. Give yourself a true center of Jesus because he is the visible image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, Visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers, rulers or authority. This first part is beautiful. How we take all of our authorities, how we take all our powers, how we take everything that we've been given, everything that the world has, everything the world has to offer us, we place it at the feet of Jesus. We place everything that we have and we say, thank you, God, for everything you've given us, and I place it at your feet, not at my feet anymore. Because he is over all things, over all thrones, over all powers, all, all, over all rulers and authorities. He is over all. And it gets frustrating and difficult to live this life when all these powers and all these things are coming from each angle and attacking us and feeling like, man, we need to think one way or the other, left or right, this or that. We could just lay it at his feet. And I think this verse 17 is the key verse of centering ourselves on Jesus, all things have been created through him and for him. All things in your life have been created through him and for him. It really gives us on a Thanksgiving a time to switch our thinking and say, look, everything that I have has been created for you. It's not created for me. Even though it's in my possession right now, even though it's at my house, even though it's my family, even though it's my kids, even though it is mine, it is not mine because it was created for you, Jesus. And it gives us that switch in perspective to stop having a false center or to stop feeling like we have everything is falling apart because we can just give it to God and say, walk with us. And he is the head of the body in the church. He's the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him. It's a big verse, that one is. It's a big scripture. The fullness of our lives needs to dwell in him. There's this big idea of salvation and reconciliation from us to God. How can we ever be worthy of relationship with Jesus? How can we ever be worthy to be in the same presence of God? I want you to know because of God's good grace, he is in this place and his presence is here among us. My wife always says, I kind of pray, and it's kind of like one of those, as I pray for the kids at night, I say, God, be with us. Or, you know, as we go to school tomorrow, the kids be with us. And my, my wife corrects me well. She said, Jordan, Jesus is with us. Always. And then, it switches my prayer to help us to be aware of your presence at all times, God. Because as we're aware of God's presence, our center shifts. And through him, we, him, and through him to reconcile himself to all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Peace is made the violence of man peace is made on the cross talking this morning i overheard a conversation about joy being brought when we do the right things donations being made or or our worship being given up to god or our serving people in our community and when we serve when we love and when we focus our attention on god peace comes in our heart because of what's happened on the cross not because of anything we've done this is. Uh, I'll start here. This is um, my dream tattoo. Okay, I don't know. I just. You ever have like a tattoo design that you just never do because you never want to go through the pain of getting a tattoo? This is it here. And this here is 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 this idea of of this is. Eternity, essentially. This is a Tozer idea. If you have heard of Tozer, he has this thought. And and, and this is how he explains the Bible and how he explains all of this, what's happening in Colossians. Is there is eternity and there is God vastness. And then funneling down to this point is where Jesus enters our world. And then this is our story down here. So there's God. The moment that Jesus takes on all that eternity all that who god is into that moment and then here's our story and as jesus enters into this part of our world our story redemption happens so that we can fully live in who he is we can fully place our center on him before this before when the samaritan woman was wandering around not having a center is because jesus hadn't entered into this picture yet As Jesus enters into the picture, that is all the tools you need to have your life center around him. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of our evil behavior, but now he has reconciled you by Christ. He has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death. To present you holy in his sight, without blemish, and free from accusation. There's a lot of biblical worded verbiage there. He's reconciled. We are now able to cross that barrier into a relationship with him because of his death on the cross, because of what has happened to him on the cross. And I can't encourage you enough to not forget As long as you've been a Christian, as short as you've been a Christian, it doesn't matter where you're at on your journey of faith. Remember that this life is for him. So what now? What do we do with this? All the way through to verse 23. If you continue in your faith, established and firm, do not move from the hope held out in the gospel. As we continue in our faith, do not move from the hope held out in the gospel. Do not move. When your life seems to be falling apart, please remember, do not move from the hope that is Jesus. As your marriage starts to crumble, do not move from the hope that is Jesus. As you open up your bank account and there's nothing there, do not hold, move from the hope that is Jesus. Because this life is best served, submitted to him. This is the gospel that you heard and that has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven and earth, which I, Paul, have become a servant. So take home. Let's I want to encourage you to make christ the center and how do we do that i want to encourage you to practice gratitude by giving joyful thanks to the father who has qualified you to share in this inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of his light verse 12 talks about being thankful practicing gratitude in everything that we do practicing gratitude in your daily walk we have thanksgiving Maybe take a moment this Thanksgiving just to thank God for everything that's happened. And maybe take a moment this Thanksgiving to say, God, things haven't gone out the way that I expected them to go. but I want to thank you for loving me the same throughout. Find a community that will keep you on track. Find a community group. I know there's people looking for one still. We're trying to place people in all the groups. So find a community that will keep you on track. And pray through Colossians. We have an opportunity with this series to stop and to kind of go through Colossians slowly but surely, reading every verse. I want to encourage you this week, read just that in him all things were created. That section that I read the second time. Just take a verse a day and just sit with it. Reflect on it. Allow it to permeate your heart. We have these dwell banners still here. And I really believe that it is our joy to dwell in the presence of God. It is our center to dwell in God's presence. Because the promise of this world is not that things will change, that things will get better all the time. The promise that Jesus gives us is that he will dwell with us. I'll leave with this verse. Psalm 26, verse 8. Lord, I love the house where you live and the place where your glory dwells. God, I love the house that you built and the place that your glory dwells. I pray that we would walk in that place. We would dwell in that place. We'd be close to you in that place. As things erode and things shift from left to right, I pray that our center would be secure on you. Pray that our center will be placed on you, Jesus. We give that to you.